everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It is Jen Hatmaker, your happy hostess on the For the Love podcast. Super glad to have you today. Thrilled to bring you this next episode in our parenting series. So if you've been around the podcast for a while, you do know that I'd like to talk about a lot of stuff on here. So sometimes there are serious things like restorative justice and egalitarianism, and sometimes it's sparkly earrings and enchiladas. You know, I'm kind of all over the map. Um, But that is life, a little serious, a little silly. And today's conversation runs the gamut of a lot of these things because we are talking about what I consider a very under-talked about discussion when it comes to parenting, which is talking about parenting our kids as they're growing up and becoming adults. Like, so if you know me, you guys, I have five kids. I've got a 20 year old, an 18 year old, a 16 year old. Like we are literally learning how to parent adult children this very minute. Um, And nobody talks about that a whole lot. And so um, this is kind of a tricky subject and feel, it can feel really, really lonely. And so um, no matter where you are in this, if you're not to that stage yet, if you're in the middle of it, or if it's in your rear view mirror, you know that there's some hard parts to it. There's landmines and we really want to do this season well so that we end up with healthy adult relationships with our kids. So we have a guide today that you guys are going to love. And so I am delighted to bring you today's guest, Dr. Jim Burns. This is absolutely his area of expertise. He's the founder and president of Homeward. He's the executive director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. So you guys, every single year, he speaks to thousands and thousands of people all around the world about how to create strong marriages and confident parents and empowered kids and healthy leaders. Um, Literally, he has almost 2 million resources in print in over 30 languages. So I mean, This guy knows his stuff, you guys. His radio broadcast is called Homeward with Jim Burns, and it's heard in over 800 communities. He's an award-winning author. We're going to have all of his books linked over on my website page um, for the podcast. You're going to have links to all of that. So he and his wife, Kathy, live in Southern California. They have three grown daughters, Christy, Rebecca, and Heidi. They have two sons-in-law and two grandkids. Um, And so he's actually been through this parenting adult children phase as a parent and also as an expert. You guys, he has so much awesome stuff to tell us today. Wait till you hear some of his advice. I mean, it is like grab your pen and jot it down worthy. And so um, I know you are going to love this conversation. And listen to my listeners who are either not a parent or you're not yet parenting young adult children. You're still in the weeds with the toddlers or the elementary school kids. You still want to listen to this. I'm serious. I wish I would have had this instruction in my hands a decade ago so that I could start thinking about the long game and I could start thinking about how to begin transitioning my parent toward launching kids. I mean, all of a sudden we just landed in the zip code and started looking around going, who can help us? Who will tell us how to parent adult children? We have no idea what we're doing, and we don't know if we're doing this right. So you're going to want to listen to this no matter where you're at. 
on the spectrum. This is great, great instruction. And we also talk in this hour about being an adult child and what happens when our relationship with our parents is difficult and how do we navigate that with grace and how do we play the long game there? Um, how do we um, squeeze the most amount of health out of our adult relationships with our parents, um, even if they're difficult, um, even if we struggle or have a lot of differences? And so this conversation is packed and you are going to be really, really glad you listen to it. And just let me say this real quick before we jump into the conversation. This will all be transcribed over on my website. So don't worry about it. If you hear amazing nuggets that you're not in a place you can write down, um, always, always go over to jenhetmaker.com under the podcast. The entire episode is written out with links, with bonus material, with resources. So don't worry. We are here for you. So you guys, I love this guy. Help me welcome to the show, Dr. Jim Burns. I am so pleased to welcome you to the show, Dr. Jim Burns. Thanks for being here. Jen, it's great to be with you. And I was telling you beforehand that, you know, I've got a whole family who, uh, you know, worships and adores everything you write and speak. So, you know, I'm now a big deal in my family where I wasn't, uh, you know, two days before. So this is a big deal. Listen, if I'd have known that, I'd have twisted your arm sooner to come on earlier in the show. I had no idea I had this leverage, but I'm thrilled about it. I'm just telling you, you really do. That's amazing. Um, you know, I was telling you before we we popped on here that this is sort of our first time on the podcast to tackle this specific niche of expertise, yeah. um, which is kind of adult children and growing up children and even being an adult child. So I just find this information really useful, but under under-resourced. Okay. So let me tell you sort of my family here, um, and why I'm so excited about this next um, hour with you. I've got five kids. It's just five. It feels like a million (laughs) and our oldest 20, the next one's 18. So we are, we are absolutely hedging into this zip code. We are are, living the life. We're living the life. We are for the first time trying to figure out how to parent what is on paper an adult child. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true, isn't it? <laughs> and it's just new rules. And and I, I, I when I was younger with parenting littles and, and early childhood and even elementary, it felt like resources were endless. Yeah. Like everybody wants to talk about raising littles. But I feel kind of on a weird um, island when it comes to parenting yeah. adult kids. And so... Just listen, whatever you say, I'm telling you in advance, thank you for guiding us for the next hour. Um, And I want to make sure our listeners know that we're also going to talk about not just raising adult children, but also being an adult child. You know, we've got parents and we're adults. So anyway, thanks for being on the parenting series. So I've told our listeners a little bit about you already and what it is you do, but I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your family. Can you tell us about the people in your life, your kids, your grandkids, all of that? Okay. Well, I've got three daughters, so we have no hormones and drama in our life, of course. (laughs) Of course you do. I never did. Teenage years, whatever. They're all adults now. Uh, Two of them live in New York and one of them moved to that sweaty state of Texas on Wednesday, just the other day. Are you kidding? What city? Uh, They live in a place called Bedford between Dallas and Fort Worth. Sure. And uh, they're running the 100 degree weather and and, uh, she's a surfer. So that'll be interesting to see how how the surfer does. But yeah, so we're going to be making a whole bunch of trips to to uh, to Texas. Yeah, you are. In fact, my wife was just there to help her set it uh, up the house. And she came back and said, 
I know we didn't have it planned, but we are coming going in August. And I don't know <laughs> that it's to see my daughter as much as the grandkids, to be oh, honest. I know the Listen, the first time I had a kid, I yeah. ceased being my parents' daughter. At right, that point, right. I was just the person who drove my son around. That's exactly, what I was. Exactly. Yes. So anyway, three daughters. The other two live in New York City, of okay. all things. So we're kind of way far from our kids. We live in Southern California. And yeah. uh, Kathy and I have been married 44 years. Wow. And uh, we don't feel like we're that old, but I guess we are, because if you've been married 44 years, that means you're old. And uh, my background, <laughs> I was not raised in, in, a, uh, in a church home. So I didn't have that whole thing going on. I became a Christian when I was in high school. So my mm. excitement has always been working with kids. Mm. And uh, I was a youth pastor in, in another life. Uh, and, uh, loved it, loved teens. My PhD is in, uh, you know, working with adolescents and all of a sudden, you know, people started asking me to speak on the adult child thing. And I would laugh hilarious. I remember the first time I ever got asked, it was for a big conference in uh, Honolulu of all places. You you speak, yeah, you speak, you go, Hey, let me, let me pray about that. Yeah. Honolulu, I can come. And, uh, so I did it. And as I was speaking and I was talking about having adult kids and it being messy and, you know, violating values and straying from faith and all the Mm -hmm. various things that so many of us, you know, deal with at that time, the people groaned, Jen. And when they groaned, I went, whoa, I'm, I'm hitting onto something that's key. And what had happened was we had been in a, a workshop room, but they had made an announcement at the general session that my workshop was moving to another one and it was a lot bigger. And I thought, well, why? Why does anybody want to come to this? I, you know, I hadn't even read very many resources on it. Mm-hmm. Come to find out it was because it was a felt need that yeah. uh, people keep saying to me, I have a book coming out called Doing Life with Your Adult Child, Keep the Welcome Out Out and Your Mouth Shut. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's so good. And what's funny about it is people just go, I want it now because mm-hmm. I've just met people who are desperate. At Homeward, where I work, we um, had some focus groups. And of the seven focus groups, six of them had people in tears because they were just shocked. Like, where where did it go? How did it happen? Wow. So I know I'm getting farther along, but that's kind of our family. It's not a perfect family. Um, yes, we love the Lord. We are unashamedly Christian. And at the same time, uh, you know, we're trying to figure it out. Kathy and I are what we call transitional generation. So hmm. the Bible talks about you inherit the sin, at least the sin bent of the previous generations. Hmm. And we decided we were going to try to break that uh, hmm. You know, and, and you either recover or you repeat. And we decided we're going to try to recover. And that's what our process has been. And um, it's it's been a great one. At the same I time, Kathy. That. Yeah. Kathy said, I, I thought life was supposed to be easier once these kids mm-hmm. got to be adults. And, you know, it has its wonderful times, moments, yeah. incredible, incredible. And then it has its moments of going seriously. Where did oh that come gosh. from? I'm just like, I feel like one of those people in your seminar in Honolulu, like I'm already greedy to get further down this conversation <laughs> because I, I, there's just not enough people talking about this. Yeah. And yeah. I love this. I like putting this conversation in front of my listeners who aren't here yet, who are yeah. still parenting younger yeah. kids, because right. I, I would have, I craved this instruction five years ago six years ago, as we began to sort of move the needle on how we were parenting, but I just wasn't sure where we were moving it. Yeah, I didn't know what the end game was with growing children. You're right. And and it changes, you know, when you, when kids are like, say two to 10, you're in control. I mean, you've got to be, it's not like you're going to take them to downtown Austin and say, Hey, have a great time during a big festival or something. But when, when they get to be those you know, even preteen and then teen, you kind of move to coaching where you're still the leader, but you're giving them some room and, and uh, some leeway. You still got to put them on a timeout or take them out of the game or whatever, you know, ever so often. As they get older, you're consulting and that's kind of 
most of their day-to-day decisions should be done by them. That's, of course, with your 20 and 18-year-old. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you're moving in that direction, but then all of a sudden they become adults. And what's fascinating is we live a parallel journey because they don't know what they're doing. They're reinventing the relationship and we don't know what we're doing because we're reinventing the relationship. I even say to parents, I go, look at you're fired. Your role <laughs> as their day-to-day parent must change. You're still a parent. I mean, Christy called me up today, my, my daughter in Texas, and had she said, daddy, and, you know, had questions. But at the same time, um, you know, the day-to-day role is not that I'm, you know, telling her what to do. And if I did, I always say unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism anyway. So, Good point. You know, there you go. So, all right. So you mentioned your girls. Let's, I wonder if we can walk back like one phase. So yeah. they're adults now, obviously, but can we talk about your girls and your home and family when they were entering teen years, mm-hmm. is there some tangible instruction you can give us for, for, for backing off and, and empowering them to, to make bigger decisions on their own? I mean, even, you know, I've got a bunch of teenagers. I've got a 16 year old. I have a 15 year old. Um, these, some of these decisions have some pretty big life altering right. consequences. I mean, they're choosing big, big things. My kid. So, I mean, I have a daughter who is, moving to the East coast from this home that I raised her in to, to navigate the next four years of her lives. You know, it's not a decision without consequence. It's humongous. And she essentially made it on her own. And so I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about how you figured out or what you learned about beginning that back off process when you start to empower your kids to make bigger decisions on your own, ones that even have pretty big consequences, even life altering. Um, did, how, how did you figure out or how did you learn how to allow them to make mistakes? Um, whether, you know, relational or financial or spiritual, even if, you know, the consequences weren't small. Yeah. Well, again, you learn, it's always easier when you when you're past this phase. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> because, darn it. You know, like when you say, when you just said emotional, physical, uh, financial, you know, except spiritual, you name it. And we kind of went seriously, wait, yeah. you've been raised in our home and you've done this. And, and again, our kids were not the world's worst people. They just, you know, they just went at it life at a different angle than we ever dreamed. Yeah. In fact, Christy said, my oldest, who's now in Texas, when she graduated from college, she said, um, I had to disown my parents' faith to own my mm-hmm. own faith. And what's yeah. funny is now the faith isn't very far apart, but during that season, she had to kind of break away. We didn't know some of that stuff. Actually, mm. we probably are, are, are grateful we didn't because <laughs> when she came home, she was fine. But you know that that was an interesting side. So again, I, I this is hindsight. It's not during the process because during the mm-hmm. process we, you know, were panicked. And I remember the day that we dropped her off at school. Um, you know, I went into the bathroom and cried. You know, I was like serious. <laughs> you know, it was just it was crazy. But um, you know, we did have to. It, it was a process of what I call the weaning process. It's very similar, I think, to when a mom is breastfeeding. What my daughter Chrissy is breastfeeding. You know, our little granddaughter Charlotte, and you know, she's going to go through a weaning process here real mm-hmm. soon because she's a teacher, and so there's going to be a process of that. And you know, I don't think that's you know very easy for really either one. So I think it's a process and it, and it's mm-hmm. for me and, and, and I know for my wife, it was, you know, three steps forward and a step back and five steps back and two steps forward. And, yeah. you know, we had to learn for us, the hardest thing for us was to take the monkey off of our back and place mm-hmm. it squarely on our kid's back. And, and actually all three of our kids during that season, what I would call the kind of 1820. Um, now remember, 
they are saying they're adults. But even if I don't know if you knew this, but last January, the country of Great Britain changed teenage from 13 to 18 to 10 to 24 because they're saying no you're still, way. yeah, it's really interesting. You could look, you could Google it and find it. It's just fascinating. Wow. And what's fascinating about it is it's probably more true because yeah. 10 to 13 is kind of pre-adolescence, but already they're going through so much and, you know, they're now screenagers. And so life has changed with mm-hmm. the sc- their screen time. And then, you know, as they get older, it's, it's, it's again, a process. So what we found is we had to hand that stuff over to Christy and to mm-hmm. Rebecca and to Heidi, our, our three. And then, you know, there were times when we went out by, by putting the monkey on their back, they were going to learn, but that's how we learned. I mean, we learned through some failures and we learned through some mistakes, but what we wanted was them to still know that, you know, the welcome mat is still out. We, we are there to help, but we didn't, we had to move away from being intrusive. And I think that was a big word for Kathy and I, because Mm. uh, we teased Kathy one time we were in England with our family and there was a, uh, there was a sign out in front of a window that said citizens advice council. And my girls all go, mom, that's the perfect job for you. <laughs> and I love it because Kathy kind of goes, well, you're probably right. So her love language mm. of giving us all advice, and it doesn't matter if it's about, you know, diet or Jesus. Um, right. She had to, she had to, you know, learn to kind of keep her mouth shut. So one day I was talking on this subject and this kind of displays Kathy and me and I put a band-aid around my tongue, which, you know, makes it look kind of weird. And all, and I just opened, I opened my talk by, mm. with this band-aid on my tongue and I'm going, oh, you know, kind of just mumbling almost. And I said, so I have a lot of scars on my tongue. And so what <laughs> we had to learn was honestly, you know, to, to give them advice when it was mm. there, set some boundaries because they were still under our, our dime, so right. to speak. Um, but actually kind of let them learn to figure it out and trust that, you know, in God's sovereignty, they were going to, you know, come out fine. Now I'm on the back side of that. You know, my kids have made good decisions. They're not, they don't have the same, we're not in the same agreement with a lot of things, but you know, they made good decisions, but through that process, uh, one of the things that I say to parents is, man, you, this is your chance to get as talk about healthy, emotionally, physically, spiritually healthy as you possibly can, because, you know, you're letting them go. And you know, I, I don't know if you ever read to your kids the uh, Judith Vorst book on Alexander and his very bad, terrible, horrible day. Of course. But, you know, she also actually spoke about adult children, which is very fascinating, obviously not in that book. And she said, letting go of our children must be counted among our necessary losses. For Kathy and I, now this is in hindsight, we didn't even realize we were grieving or that it was a sense of loss, but it was because you know our kids had been dependent on us and they were moving from dependence to independence. And with that process of letting them go, um, you know, again, that was not a, an easy adventure. And and at the same time, they needed us. They needed some of our money. They needed our counsel. Yeah. They they wanted our input at certain times. I mean, still, again, today because of technology, I mean, we probably talk to them every day or at least what they call talking in terms of texting them. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, that was a hard time for us. And it was a hard time for us to understand that, you know, there is a bit of loss, um, but that's our job description. What's our job description? Mm-hmm. Our job description is to give our kids their passport to adulthood mm-hmm. and hope and pray that, you know, they'll figure it out. And again, on the backside, like I've mentioned, you know, our kids have figured it out in a good way. I love um, hearing you talk about this so much. And I think what I am feeling a sense of relief about even just listening to you thus far is that there is kind of a simple equation here, which is um, letting our kids go 
and handing the reins largely off to them, it's just hard. And I think uh, it's a real simple thing to say, but you know, my generation has kind of been told that with the right ingredients, we can control all the outcomes we want. We've been handed that narrative. Just this is, these are the 10 steps to parenting and this is what you do. And this is how you guarantee that your kids are going to follow this path. And, and, and honestly, I bought into that when the kids were little and I was still largely in control of things. Um, but the truth is they, there is some, there's loss and there's struggle and there's a bit of heartache in that season. And it doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. It just no, means it's hard. No, it's perfect. You just said it perfectly. You know, it's, it's, you know, your generation, Jen, you know, we, we, you know, dubbed it the helicopter generation yep. and because they were so involved in their kids' lives. I mean, it's beautiful. It's wonderful, but it was probably too much. So yep. what we're trying to say here is land the helicopter, but landing the helicopter is not easy and it's not mm without its its pain and confusion. And again, like I said at the very beginning, no one really understands how to do this. I mean, the kids don't either. So, you know, they'll bounce back and forth. They'll be, I, I'm an adult, I'm going to make an adult decision here. And then they make a decision that you would go, I'm not sure that's an adult decision. Yeah. And so we're going back, you know, we're going always back and forth. The parents who I've seen do the best, and I've interviewed so many parents on this and read every book there is on this subject. Yeah. And, you know, these are the parents who move from being day-to-day -day parent to now mentor coach when asked when and, asked and notice that i said when caveat. asked because yeah mm -hmm. because because that's hard now again there were certain things that well i have a daughter who's 32 who called today asking about car insurance <laughs> and i went well i get that we've been pretty much paying for car insurance until the last couple of years and you know she all of a sudden yeah. realized geico had a better deal than somebody else so sure. so how cool is that? But she, yeah. she was calling me now more as a mentor coach than as, you know, as, as her dad who uh, needed to try to fix it. And you know what I want to do? I want to, I wanted to go online and just, you know, take care of her. And sure. I had to say, no, this is, this is, that's great. This is what you do. Here's your, oh, here's your options. That's so great. It seems to be a teeny bit more clear on the front end and a little bit more clear on the back end. And then there's yeah. this muddy middle, yes. the transitionary yes. time, yeah. which is exactly where I live right now. So you mentioned correctly that my generation has been called the helicopter generation with good yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, we, the, we, we both put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do that. And somehow yeah. it was handed to us. I don't really know where that came from. This sense of the children shall be the center of your universe or they'll be mm -hmm. damaged for life. I mean, I really, we, we heard that loud and clear. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, cause you, you see so many parents, you get to, you get this like 35,000 foot view on a whole generation of parenting. So what would you say, um, that those of us who are parenting teens and young adults right now, what would you say we're maybe getting right? What, what are, what are they doing? That's maybe helpful that no generation has maybe done before them simply yeah. because of the culture we live in or the advances that we now have to navigate? Like, what are your observations? There? Yeah. And by the way, that's a great question because we typically kind of whine and complain about it. But I think this generation of parents, I think your generation of parents um, are doing so many things right because you're building relationships. You know, there was a previous generation and, and it's not friendships. If you're trying to be their best friend, forget it. You're too old. But if you're, <laughs> but if you're continuing to have a relationship with them, that's meaningful. Um, previous generations didn't have that as much. My dad was a good guy. I, I didn't come again from a, a Christian home and I came from an alcoholic home and you know whatnot. But you know he worked hard. The way he showed he, said he loved us was he worked from morning until night. So we didn't see much of him. Um, and my mom was more the relational you know goddess in our family, if you would. Yep. But, but the point being is that you know 
people have leaned into relationships. People do stuff with their kids. Um, they make memories with their kids. They, mm-hmm. they really do. And, and I actually think that it's a great generation of parenting. You know, Homeward, the organization I work with is the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U.S. And so I hear all the horror stories, you know, every week. But I also mm-hmm. hear the the great stories of parents, you know, in, in the summer season, you know, taking on, you know, taking, you know, some great trips and playing with their kids. And, you know, we played with our kids when we were little, but now as our kids are older, well, you know, we still need to have serious fun with our kids. And I think this mm-hmm. generation is doing that remarkably um, well. And I think this generation is, I think where they get in trouble, which is good and bad, is that they sometimes become a child-focused marriage if they're married. Yeah. And and I think the ones that are, but I see a lot of people who are saying, no, you know what? We need to have a date night. We need to have, you know, some boundaries that way. Sure, we're going to put a lot of energy. And, you know, if you have a two-year-old, it's not like you say, hey, you know, fix yourself some peanut butter. We're going away for the weekend. Right. But I think that's one of the more positive things, too, that I actually see people saying, waking up to the fact that if they're a child-focused marriage, it's not going to be healthy for the kids. So I'd say those relationships and and the marriage side, really, really good. Yeah. I think that is a great observation. Um, you know, we've had to sort of shift that, um, the way that we spend time with our kids, obviously we have almost all teenagers. And, um, I was just, my husband right this very minute with my daughter who we've got exactly four weeks left with before she goes to college. They are in this, this is their summer of watching together all the old classic eighties movies. So, I mean, they are, they made a list and they're just powering through weird science, pretty in pink. Oh, they're just, awesome. they're doing them all. It's great. It's really great. And it's just a different way to connect. And, um, and I think sort of adjusting like that is, is mark of a really good parent. And thank you for saying that about, um, balancing what is good connected parenting yeah. with what is also good connected marriage. Yeah, right. Brandon and I travel, um, we make a point to travel at least once a year, just, the, just us yeah, with our good. friends without yeah, any good. kids. Yeah. And I, I do, I get kind of weird twisty insides about that sometimes, um, yeah. that not every trip we take involves all these spawn. Um, but it's so yeah. good for us. They're all going to leave. They're going to be out of my house in eight years. All of them. Yes. One time we were in, I was speaking in Australia and Kathy said, I'm sorry. And we we're going to have two extra days of play. And she goes, oh, I need to, the kids were little. And she goes, yeah. I need to get home. And so yeah. we just, you know, made the, the flight change and whatnot. Okay. Sometimes you have to do that. But most yeah. of the time, you know what? Your kids are going to be fine as long as, you know, there's good people watching them. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what it. you do. Yeah. You, you have to build into it or too many people in my world, their kids are now where my kids are and they look at each other and kind of go, who are you? And do yeah. I even want to be you been doing you? for 25 years? No, really, really, yeah. uh, really, really sad. Uh, mm. when you begin to see what are the, uh, the time frames of when people, um, you know, disrupt their marriage and get a divorce or whatever, you know, one of them is after the kids, you know, f- get out of the house. And I understand some of that, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm sad about that because I think they could have put some energy into it while the kids were there. Hmm. So, um, thank you for saying that. I, um, uh, you know, that's what all of us want. We want to raise, um, healthy kids and we want to still have a marriage at the end of it. I think that is the end game that we're all striving for and looking for a lot of counsel on how to get that. All 
All right, guys, quick break to tell you about something I'm super excited about. So listen, if you're feeling like you spend too much, eat too much, own too much, waste too much, you might want to check out the seven experiment video series and books I developed and take the seven week challenge against excess that literally changed our family's lives permanently. And hey, if you'll use the code podcast at checkout, you'll get $10 off any package. And if you already have the book, and some of you do, we have a package for you too, and the code still counts. You can find out more about all of this at the7experiment.com. So I want to get back to something we just mentioned, because you said positively this will happen. In fact, my mom has been a high school principal or teacher for about the last 25 or 30 years. And she says, inevitably, at the beginning of the school year, she'll have a weepy mom sitting in her office. It's her oldest kid's senior year. So she's having some mental breakdowns, which I understand. And my mom, who's very no-nonsense, she tells every one of them every time, she's like, listen, lady, (laughs) Just dry up your tears because they'll be back. Don't you worry about it. This is not the end. It is only the beginning of a chapter you did not expect to write. Um, so I want to talk about that for a second because I, I, I would suggest that our um, adult children are inheriting a little bit of a different world than we did, um, than our parents did for sure. And so, you know, a lot of these kids, when they're coming out of school, um, their student debt is at an all-time high in the history of student debt. Um, And the jobs are a little bit more scarce because the job market is shifting and and a college degree is a tiny bit devalued because everybody has one. Um, And so a lot of them are indeed having to move home to make ends meet. So let's just say that we have folks listening um, that has had a kid move back home, or maybe they're the kid that moved back home. Um, I wonder what kinds of boundaries you would Mm -hmm. suggest that we develop with an adult child moving home to make sure that the relationship stays intact. Um, but we are like, we're setting our compass toward like the North star where that kid moves out and everybody's healthy. Yeah. And, and and you're hundred percent right. I even remember when our daughter Heidi graduated from college, the undersecretary of the Navy was speaking and, and she said, 80% of you are going to move back home. And there was a groan. The groan wasn't from the kids. It was from the parent (laughs) section where, where we all were, but, (laughs) but you, you use the right word. I mean, the word is boundaries. I mean, you know, we've, we've got to set up boundaries. It's what, what I oftentimes will say is it's the same house. It's a different family. Hmm. And so, you know, I think the really good thing for a parent to do is, is to set boundaries and expectations uh, within reason and also kind of have an exit strategy. If not, we'll, we'll, you know, like you have, you know, when you speak and you talk about movies and things, you, you have like very meaningful movies. Like my, one of my favorite movies is a movie called a failure to launch. Okay. And it's just a goofy movie. Right. Yeah. But the truth is, is that, you know, so many kids kind of have this failure to launch because I don't think we set boundaries, expectations, and and literally help them with a with an exit plan, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think we we can be very we lavish them with grace and lavish them with that kind of time. But you know, 
the job for them is to become, a, you know, your, your bottom line, and I say this about parenting, if, I don't care if they're five, but is for them to become a responsible adult, not to become yeah. an obedient child. So if you That's want them good. to become a responsible adult, then there has to be that exit. Now, different cultures do it different ways. The homework, we do a lot of work in the Spanish speaking culture. And a lot of the, especially young women, aren't going to move out of the house, mm. you, know, at, or, you know, until they're married. And if they get married late, then... They didn't move out of the house. I, 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 I get different cultures do it different ways. But, you know, I believe strongly that when we, uh, you know, set some of those boundaries, express the expectations, um, that, you know, that, that that's a key. And But part of it is if they're going to be in our house, then there are certain rules that they're going to have to live by, which are our house rules. Now, again, you can't have the same rules that you had. A lot of people mm -hmm. say, hey, when you were 15, these were the rules. Now you're going to have to live by them. I mean, you know, that's not going to happen. My kids right. went away to college. They came back with totally different sleeping hours than they had, they that, had left That with. is a fact right, right there. Right. And so our deal was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, do we put a curfew? And 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 I was the one who'd be staying up at late. You know, my kids aren't doing anything like horrible. They're just with their friends doing whatever. But I'm sure. up still going, okay, where where is she and why didn't she totally. she call? And and you know, well, she's 23 years old and does she really need to still be calling her daddy? I'm I'm not sure about that. But again, I had to make I had to have boundaries and expectations as well. And I think I would say during those adult years when they moved back in, because I saw some of the decisions they were making, which I didn't think were, you know, the smartest decisions, I had to basically move to, well, you know, you earned it. So I needed mm -hmm. to help them earn some of the consequences of a poor decision and and let them go when I'd really like to have, you know help them ease them that way. But I think experience is a better teacher than advice. And mm. it's, a, it's a hard one when they're, when they're living at home. That is so true. I, I, I think your advice is very sage, which is right up front, have an exit strategy. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think that if it's open-ended all of a sudden two months, two years, um, and, and that will really sincerely put a strain on your relationship one way or another. No. And, and you know, like we have a daughter who, who, uh, had lived out on her own and she's awesome. And she, uh, started to, um, decide to go get a, a degree in clinical psychology and become a counselor. She'd counseled us all of her life. So she might as well get paid to do it. <laughs> sure. And, um, so she said, Hey mom and dad, can I move back in for a bit? You know, while I'm going to grad school, you know, but we didn't leave a boundary. So she all through mm -hmm. grad school, she had a great deal. It was our house. But yeah. it was hard for her then to to move on, hmm. and she has. But it was hard for her to move on. It was hard for us to let her go because we knew she was incurring, you know, graduate school debt. We knew she sure. was, you know, getting her hours as a counselor and all this kind of stuff. So we just kept putting her in there. And in a sense, she now says, "I'm not sure I grew the way I I, I would have liked to have grown." She's not blaming us because she right. was happy to get the uh, the deal. But at the same time, I had to say to her, "Look, at this is not a hotel. You know, when you you are a you're part of our family. So that means, you know, you're doing some dishes here, and you know, and we also said times like we, you know, we we want one night a week with you, and we'll do a fun dinner, and and you know, she loved that. We, mm. um, you know, we but so there are kind of some fun things too. But we found out later after. <laughs> 24 months, we went, you know what, we need an exit strategy here. Right. And, and, and it was, and it was tied into money because she, yeah, of course. You know, she, my goodness, she had just, you know, spent a bunch of money going to grad school. She was working at the time, but you know, just barely making the payments. So our exit strategy was six months that turned once at six, she wasn't ready. And we said, Hey, my goodness, let's go with, let's go with eight. At eight, okay. we were both excited that she moved out and not because there was tension. We just went, wait, she, she has to, she has to figure this out on her own. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we did. We did. Like I, I have to remind myself on the regular because I will admit right now to being the parent who it, I, my bent is to want to minimize my kid's struggle uh, um, or swoop in a little bit and make it a little easier or give them a little bit of a wider safety net. That is positively my way. That was my dad's way. And so I, I have to remind myself regularly that we moved out as young adults. We did not have two dimes to rub together, but we sorted it out. We just, and it was good for us. It really was. It was good for us. And we learned a lot. And, um, and I wouldn't trade those years, um, for easier years necessarily. Um, but for some reason watching my own kids have to scrape and scrap it all together feels harder than it did for me, but it's not any harder. Um, and I, I don't want to rob them of that. So let me ask you this because you've already your, your daughters are, are they all married? No, I have two who are married and one who uh, is not married. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I obviously have no married children yet, but I've got a 20 year old. So, you know, we're, we're hedging into the twenties. And so what do we do? What should we do if our child, our adult child, either dates or marries mm-hmm. a partner that we don't particularly love? <laughs> Like, how do we keep ourselves from becoming those in-laws, you know, those awful in-laws that people make movies about? How do we avoid (laughs) that terrible space? That's that's actually a very good line. Um, Well, first of all, there is a principle. They'll never know how far the town is if you carry them on your back. And so by just, Mm -hmm. you can't carry them on your back. So, you know, here's my principle for for that. Um, Wear beige and keep your mouth shut. You know, honestly, (laughs) if they know how you feel, if they know you know, what, what your values are, if they're breaking them, or if the person is just, you're, you're going seriously, this is the person mm-hmm. that you're hanging out with. Um, you know, I don't think it's bad to, for them to know that there's some concerns, but pretty much, I don't think you have a choice. You raise them mm-hmm. to make good decisions. They're not going to always make good decisions. And so, you know, I find that that isn't the best thing. I mean, I, I was telling a woman the other day, she was having trouble with her, with her, uh, getting access to her husband and grandkids. And I said, Hey, your access to your, I mean, not her husband to her uh, son. And I said, your access is through his, is th- they're married, but is through the wife. And she goes, well, I don't really like the wife. And I said, well, you know what? There's a lot of people we don't like at work and other places. And we just, we kind of learn to do it. And, uh, she, she called me the other day. She's a friend, a personal friend of ours. Mm-hmm. She was actually talking to my wife and then she said, put Jim on the phone. And she said, Hey, I'm kind of winning with Starbucks cards. And I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, remember we were talking. I said, well, what is she like? And she goes, well, she loves coffee. And I said, well, mm-hmm. you know, get her a Starbucks card and just go over. Don't even ask her, invite yourself to yeah. get Starbucks, but just start, you know, doing that. And she goes, you know, that Starbucks card, you know, all of a sudden now I'm doing a little babysitting and you know, there's just, it just kind of opened up. Now, again, I don't, it's not the end of the story where now everything is perfect. Cause then she sure. went on to tell me, you know, that she still didn't like this lady. <laughs> but the point being is, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's just not, it's just not simple, but I believe that we kind of need to keep our mouth shut and, and adapt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when it comes to issues with, you know, in-laws step, and I'd call in-laws even people that they're dating, in-laws step, you know, the blend, whatever. Um, you know, I think we 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 adapt. For example, we be the number one supporter of them. That's so, good. you know, you support their marriage or you support their relationship. And if you don't like the person that they're they're dating, then 
they should come to your house more often if they're in the area, come mm-hmm. more often for, you know, for a meal or whatever. And, you know, again, you then, you know, go into the back bedroom and you and your husband, you know, scream into the pillow. But mm-hmm. I don't, I, and again, other people will have different advice than that. I, I, I didn't say never talk to them about it. I just simply mm-hmm. said, if they know it, don't become a one topic person and way too That's many good. parents of teenagers or adult children become one topics. They, they go in a different direction than us, or they're, you know, dating somebody that we don't like, or they marry somebody we don't like, and that becomes all encompassing. Well, fine. They know how you feel now, you know, go shopping with them or, you know, go to a mm-hmm. ball game or whatever it is, you know, uh, binge on, you know, 1980 classic movies, you know, do whatever sure. you're going to do, but still keep the relationship going. Cause you would do that with a friend. You would do that with somebody else in work at church, you know, whatever. And, and I, and I think that's what we do. You know, I, I love this, but the, you know, I, I have this quote that I've been saying a lot lately that good thing Easter isn't just one day and that it's a season because some miracles take time. And, you know, how many times has that happened? I don't think my parents actually like my wife. And hmm, then they, really? and then later, I think they actually like my wife better than they like me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, again, some miracles take time. And, and you know, Kathy won them over. It's a different story. But again, it's like, it's, yeah. it's you know, you talked about the fact you know, you're in an interesting place because more in your stage of life, many of y- your friends are the adult children to their parents who are still alive and they're, you know, they're now beginning that process with adult children. So, That's you know, right. yeah. So you just, you know, you, you know, again, no easy answers, but I would, I would say, honestly, the number one support when, when Steve, who we adore, he's the son-in-law who just uh, moved our daughter, Christy to Texas. That That's one mm-hmm. of the, I'm, I'm not sure we adore him for that, but anyway, sure. but again, what, what happened when she first started dating him? I went, what are you thinking? That's not who hmm. I would have chosen. I would have chosen, you know, the cool and groovy youth pastor who, you know, had it all together. And Steve's kind of this fun, outgoing, hard hmm. worker, messy kind of guy who didn't have the education uh-huh. that Christy did. And, you know, today I just see that blending. And I think he's a wonderful father to my two grandkids and he's becoming a great friend to me. But, you uh-huh. know, at the beginning I was like, Christy, I didn't say it to her, but I just went, Christy, seriously, there's like, hmm. you know, a lot better people. And I am glad to, to uh, choose. And if we lived in India, maybe I could just, you know, do a match for you. Right. But we don't live in India. Ah, I really like that you said that and it, give it the gift of some time yeah. um, and see what develops. You are so right. I mean, I can, I can name a dozen relationships in my life that progressed to a wonderful, beautiful space that didn't start there. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I'm also, I'm reminded as you're talking, I've got a good friend who um, when she was dating her now husband, but way, way back in the day when they were just dating her, um, his mother, um, talked about her in a way to him that to this day yes. has injured their relationship yes. to this day, 25 oh. years later. Oh. It just, you can't ever undo that. You no. can never put those words back in. No. You can never take them back. You can never unhear them. Um, and so I, I appreciate your your caution here, um, to go gently, to go slowly, to be patient, um, to say less rather than more. Yeah. Uh, I think that is wise virtually in every context, but certainly in this one. Yes. And your illustration is, is perfect. I actually give an illustration in, in my book on doing life with your adult children about a woman who, who's, who, um, her son-in-law, um, was, into drugs and he made some horrible decisions relationally. And so she just totally bad mouthed to her daughter, just totally bad mouthed the guy. And, you know, there's a, a, a child involved and, uh, lo and behold, they get back together. Well, guess what? 
she doesn't have access to her daughter or or grandchild because she mm-hmm. badmouthed them. And of course, her daughter told her husband sure. they were still married. You know, again, if you have to do that, have a small group, uh, say it with a friend. Um, you know, speak into your own pillow and you know put the pillow close to your face. But I, I just don't think we do that. We why bring that kind of drama to it? Uh, offer support. Don't criticize. Uh, you know, don't criticize the in laws. Don't criticize even when they have children. Don't criticize their parenting. We had our That's daughter right. Christy and Steve with our grandchildren. It was the total joy of our life. But from mm-hmm. May till this week, they they were living with us, uh, uh-huh. trying to change some, trying to save some money for their for their uh, Texas home dream, and uh-huh. um, and there were a few things where, that they did with their two and a half year old, and I was like, oh man, you guys, I, I wouldn't do yeah. that, and uh, and then I thought, nope, I just need to yeah. be quiet. They're great people, and keep my mouth shut, and you know, I, and I tried to, so that's what you do. I, I, that's so good. It's such an exercise in restraint. Yes, it it's is. It's so weird because as parents, it's really all we do when they're little is tell them what to do. I mean, that <laughs> exactly. is our job description. Exactly. And so it's uh, such a, tr- it's such a monumental change oh, man. to transition to that, like button it up. Yeah. It's just, it requires so much internal restraint yeah. and patience. I always think, I, I've thought about this a lot as I've raised teens, because, you know, there's just a minute there where they just lose their minds. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They're just, right. they're just they're like, you're living with insane people. Right. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, I try to just remember like, okay, Jen, right now, put your eye on the long game. They are not going to be this insane forever. Yes. They're not. Their brains will return to working order. They're not going to act... <laughs> this foolish for the rest of their lives. They're going to shut that smart mouth one of these days. And I just don't want to say anything or do anything in this little short window. And frankly, it is short. I mean, in the span of our relationship from the time they're born until the end of our lives, these years are a minute, just literally a minute. I don't want to do anything irreparable while their bodies and minds are just competing for domination in their weird little bodies. Um, that I will regret for the next 25 years. I don't want that. And so that long game approach helps me parent sometimes when I just kind of think, you know what, I'm going to walk away from you. You're a crazy person and I'm not going to get on this insane roller coaster with you. I'm just going to, I'll see you when you land, like good, go, go with God. I, I hope, I wish you well. Um, and they do eventually come back. And, um, I I wonder, I wonder about, um, I, I wonder about this question. So, I mentioned many times I have a 20 year old and he's a boy. Now you have all girls. So I don't know if this is different or not yet. I'm not far enough on my own parenting journey to know um, because my oldest is a son and my next one's a girl, but she's still here. Mm -hmm. So my 20 year old is not calling me enough. (laughs) He's not. That's just a fact. This is not an opinion. In fact, I'm not joking. This very morning, his girlfriend texted me. Um, and said, I wonder, cause my son went with her and her family to the beach last week. Uh-huh. He goes, she said, did you get any updates from our trip? And I'm like, do you think I got any updates from this trip? I didn't <laughs> right. even know he was going. And so she sends me all the pictures, yeah, right. And tells me what they did. And I'm thinking, okay, I did something wrong. My son doesn't call me. So how do we interact with these adult children or almost adult children, whatever they are, who are either like pulling away from us or they're interacting with us way more infrequently than we wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like, let's take it one notch forward if, while you're talking. What do we do if they decide 
maybe even for a season, not to have a relationship with us at all, with us at all. Cause I know I have some listeners like that. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I think you are in the majority with the boys, um, not always, oh you know, connecting. I think I, I and again, uh, this, I, I, you know, gender issues are always interesting, but I just, I do think guys for some reason sort of forget to, you know, talk to mom and dad. I, I you know, I remember but because not be, I mean, because of not having cell phones when I was in college and whatnot, you know, if I called my parents once a week, it was amazing. And I would forget a week, you know, here and there, and yes. it just didn't enter my mind. My parents must've been incredibly patient because they, when I would get that call, finally, they would just go, oh, so great to hear from you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think you're going, th- I, I think you're going through a normal thing. I would also say that, you know, sometimes you might, without making them feel guilty, I think it's possible to say, hey, how about a a, a Sunday, you know, conference call and we'll bring your sister mm-hmm. into it too or something. And I think there's some practical ways where they go, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. You know I mean? Where mm-hmm. they don't see that as a big deal. They honestly love you. They aren't thinking about you know, the, the connection, that doesn't mean that their love goes. They just, you know, they, they forget that we yes. think about them 24, seven, 365 and will until the day we die. You know, it just, right. you know, we, we will, I mean, we are going to. And so, you know, they're, they're, part of that is that, is that loss. So I think you're in the norm. I, and I, I think there are some practical things you can do in terms of trying to get the, you know, the conference call, you know, thing happen, especially if they're outside of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you asked me another question. It was really good. And I, I, my mind slipped on it. Uh, I wanted, I wanted you to speak to the, the parent listening whose adult child or young adult child has pulled away entirely. And for whatever reason is sort of, um, not willing to maintain an adult relationship with their Well, I, I would actually give your advice back to that. You just gave, I would give it back to, to you in some ways in the sense that know that it's a season, but I would do every, I would, I would still, I would send birthday gifts. I would send cards. I was thinking about you. Never make it preachy. Never make it, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, the mom or the dad, um, you know, who, who kind of goes, uh, oh, you know, you, you've broken my heart, things like that. Not lay any of that stuff on them, but, you know, I, I would just okay. keep the relationship up. So it may be one-sided and, you know, send the card. Uh, but really, I think you're on, on, their, on their time frame. And if there is something that needs to be mended, then, you know, do that slowly. I mean, you, you know, if they're not, you, you might be totally ready to mend it. They may not. And so, you know, know let them know that, that you're open to mending that and do whatever you can to do it. But don't say, hey, we need to go to counseling right now and we need to do this and that because they may not be ready for it. But, that's good. Um, you know, people respond to uh, warmth. And people respond to tone and people respond to the right. atmosphere. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, sure, it's within the house. I mean, with your, you know, uh, silliness of having still four kids in the house, I mean, you know, life's chaotic. I mean, if it's not, right. you're the first in, you know, in the world. Right. No, um, it is. Trust me. Yeah. So, so you know, you can't always have a tone of warmth and an atmosphere of walking six inches off the ground and isn't life perfect. No. Sure. But, you know, you even from a distance, you can do that. So, you know, be the one who sends the goodie package. And if you don't get a thank you, you didn't ex- don't expect a thank you, especially if they're in a mood where they're not, you know, connecting with you. As time goes on, I, and I've seen this over and over again, where I've seen people who are in those broken relationships and, um, and they start praying about it. They start really being focusing on being positive. They don't flood their kids. And guess what? Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, the kid gets married or the kid has a grandchild or now they have a grandchild and they want, they want a relationship and they go, wow, for the last, you know, several years, even, um, you know, these people have been kind of nice to me. They weren't what they That's used good. to be. And, and if you have to apologize and apologize, I mean, a lot of times, you know, we keep waiting for our kids to apologize, but I find that one of the strongest things we can do is say, Hey, I'm sorry. That was more about me and my season totally. than, than you. And when we do that, well, you know, we're going to reap the benefits very seldom. Mm-hmm. Will they, you know, stay that way forever? And if they do, what a loss for them and what a loss for you too. But, but it's mm-hmm. more loss for them because you did everything you could do. As you know, there are plenty of listeners who are in that place. And, you know, you might not be able to even identify with that, or I can't identify that with my own personal life. Uh, but, you know, the people that are around us experience that every day. Totally. Let's talk about the flip side of that because um, not all my listeners are parents, right? But all of us are adult daughters and sons. Yeah. That is uh, something yeah. we share in common. So um, we have parents that we may or may not have good adult relationships with, and so um, sometimes our own parents cross boundaries, or they hurt our feelings, or. Right. Um, or, or we hit some sort of fork in the road where our ideology or our value systems sort of break off from one another, or we choose something they didn't choose or vice versa. Um, and so I wonder how we as adult children maintain relationships with our parents while still, um, standing our ground, maybe on things that matter to us, on our own personal convictions, on things that we believe in, on the the life that we have sort of chosen, without both parties just ending up a puddle of tears on the floor. Yeah. What, how would you yeah. How would you counsel us as all adults to yeah. maintain those relationships? Well, first of all, if I had an easy answer, you know, yeah. wouldn't that be wonderful? Totally. But, but you know what, I, Jen, I honestly think that uh, <clears throat> if we have boundary, we have to have boundaries with our, even with our adult parents. And sometimes we have to lower the expectations. They aren't going to be the parent maybe that we are, or they're not going to be the parent that we had ever dreamed of them to be, but we can Mm -hmm. still have a relationship with them. And we can still, uh, you know, we can, we we can either choose not to talk about some of those types of issues because we don't have to have a conversation every time about politics, religion, values, faith, you know, whatever it is. I mean, honestly, just, you know, it goes back to us talking earlier about keeping our own mouth shut with our own kids, you know, it's keeping our mouth shut with our parents. Okay. And that doesn't mean that our parents, they may not have that, (laughs) you know, that, that philosophy. So, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of shake your head and, you know, and, and lower it. But I, but I do believe that we, we were meant for relationships. We want to have relationships with our parents, even though it's not perfect. And so I think we, we continue to, you know, take three steps forward and a step back, like I said earlier, but with that, I think we need to have the discipline to just simply not go there. Let's say that yeah. there is a moral issue or it's a mm-hmm. political issue or it's a you know religious issue or whatever it might be. I think sometimes you just have to say, you know what, these are not the people that I feel safe around having that conversation. So I'm not going to do it. Now, when they just bring it up, it. Yeah, yeah, when they bring it up, you know, I, I'm, you know, my family, they, you know, not being really raised in a Christian, uh, you know, environment or whatever, my family would sometimes bring stuff up and I would just kind of smile. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. they, my smile, they thought that meant I agreed with them on something Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and frankly, I just had to take the hit because I thought, you know what, I am not going to jump in that pile of dew because that's not going to work at this, you know, Christmas thing or, you know, at at whatever it is. So having strong boundaries is a good thing. Two of my best friends are some guys who wrote 
books on boundaries, uh, Henry Cloud and, and John Townsend. Yeah, I and we, the show. Yeah, great. Oh, great. Well, I've kind of done life with them since, uh, uh, well, long in the early yeah. 80s. And, uh, you know, the idea of having boundaries is a loving thing. Sometimes we think the idea of having yes, boundaries with our own parents, but it, no, it's a loving thing. And, and you know, you just, I, I know it's sometimes not easy, but sometimes you just go, you know what, I, I'm just simply not going to go there. My my own relationship with my mother-in-law, and you know, you always can make the mother-in-law jokes, but you know, she was a tough lady and my wife would be the first to mm. say that she's now passed on. She she liked me more than she liked, we, we teased because everybody would say, why does she like you? So, you know, so much, but it was because I never went negative on her and I had something negative every day, even about how she treated my wife. So I just, so we just always, you know, even her siblings would kind of laugh and go, Jim, can you talk to, you know, Martha (laughs) about this? Because, you know, we can't get through to her. And, um, you know, I just went, I, you know, I, I have to admit it was, you know, I acted as if I loved her. And I actually, Mm -hmm. at the end of the whole deal, I was, you know, you know, I was really one who, I mean, I did have a love for her at the same time. She still drove me crazy, but also my relationship was not was not deep because she wanted to talk about everything that just was like all my hot buttons. So I go, Oh my gosh. I sure. just... And Kathy, on the other hand, the daughter would, would jump into those. She'd get, my wife would just get uh-huh. into those. She'd hot take buttons. the bait. Yeah. She'd yeah. take the bait. And then I, you know, in the car back, I, I, you know, give my wife some critique, which always doesn't work just like your adult children. Right. But I'd, I'd say, wow, I wouldn't have gone there if I was you. And she goes, I yeah. know as it was coming out of my mouth, I, I could hear what you would probably say to me. And I think you're right. I um, appreciate you talking about this a lot. I, some of the most, I, I, I realize that I am super fortunate and yeah. that I'm really close to my parents. Yeah. Um, I have good parents. They were healthy parents and they still are. And so we're really, we're really close. Um, but I've got, of course, a ton of friends who yeah. have contentious relationships with either their parents or their in-laws either way. And some of the ones that I have discovered to be the happiest and the healthiest, even inside what is a difficult relationship with very real differences. You know, I, I don't, I don't say this to minimize those because some differences are severe and, and they matter. They're not without consequence, but the ones that I notice who have the most joy, um, even inside of those relationships are the ones who have decided I am going to just accept yeah. this relationship for what it is, yes. not for what I want it to be. Or not for what it should have been even to be fair or what I wish it would have been um, or some future version of it that frankly is probably never going to materialize, but rather this is who they are. This is who I am. And this is where our relationship is. And so inside of those limitations, I am just going to accept it as it is. And I find a lot of health in that space. And to your very good point, we don't, have to constantly pick every battle. Oh, I would say 99 times out of a hundred, they end poorly. Yes. They're not going to, we're not going to likely convince our in-laws or parents of something important to us that they disagree on any more than they're going to convince us. Right? right. It's just, we're, we're just banging our heads against walls. And so I, I think there's something very wise in saying, this is not a perfect relationship. They were not perfect parents and we were not perfect children or in-laws, but this is what we have. And inside of it, we're going to make the most of it and not put any expectations upon it that are just unrealistic. Um, and, and then you just can kind of release all that, like, I wish it should have been, or it could have been, or I wish you would, or I wish you did. 
Um, those are deferred hope is such a drain. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so hard on the human spirit. So, um, I thank you for saying that. I want to ask you one well, more actually, question. Thank you for saying that because I think it was more articulate than what I said. I mean, I really agree with you. I think there's people who, if they take that advice that you just gave, it could change their, their relationship with their parents and change their life. Yeah, it really could. And, and, you know, we, we get the choice because we're grown adult humans yep. to choose. We get to choose a lot of relationships that we put into our lives, our friends, our neighbors, our church families, our, you know, we, we get to curate a lot of really healthy, wonderful people in our life. And our family just isn't one of them. <laughs> That's just, yeah. we get what we get. Right. And so I think there <laughs> right. is something marvelous about saying, you can't give me this thing that I need. I'm going to have to find it elsewhere, but here's what you yes. can't give me. Here's yes. what you do give me. Here's what Beautiful. you have. Given. Um, Beautiful. So let me ask you this question before we wrap it up. I heard that you keep a post-it note on your desk that just has the letters A-W-E off on it. So I wonder if you could tell us about that and what it is supposed to remind you. Okay. I love that. I just looked at it because I'm sitting at my desk and I just looked at it and I went, man, that thing is crumpled up. And I think it used to be more white and now it's yellow. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you'd even mention that. But uh, it says AWE and it stands a W E and it stands for affection, warmth, and encouragement. And I think it's one of the in it's it's a life message for me, not so much to others, but for me personally to remember to shower people with affection. Obviously, we shower people with affection at different levels. In fact, I just saw that at UCLA they just did a study that said it takes eight to ten meaningful touches a day for someone to thrive. Hmm. And I was thinking about my brother who's who's in a wheelchair and kind of a mess right now from a stroke and you know, I came over to him and I really couldn't say anything to him, but I just kind of held on to him, you know, guy to guy, which, you know, looked a little bit awkward, especially mm. for him. That would have been weird. And um, you know what? He didn't want to let go. Sure. And then we, he kind of like held my hand. Well, I, you know, that's affection. And, you know, we don't really do that. We don't do that enough. So I want to, with my kids, especially, I want to, and my wife, I want to, you know, be a person who's who's affectionate them with, with obviously appropriate affection. Warmth is what we kind of talked about. It, it's, it's setting an atmosphere. My mom practiced, you know, a real sense of warmth. You know, my friends would come over to see me and she'd go, no, he's down at the gym playing basketball. And they go, well, can I just come in and hang out with you, Mrs. Uh, Burns? And, you know, it was because she, you know, she, she asked about them. She cared about them. And, um, I just find that that whole idea of, of developing warmth, and I think it's a discipline to do that. I uh, I, there's a phrase that I use, does it really matter? Mm. <laughs> and you know what? Most, most stuff, I mean, there's some things that matter, especially I love you know, that. in families. But yeah, does it, most stuff doesn't matter. And I don't You're think, right. I, don't think my, I think my mom brought warmth with that. And then encouragement. You know, it was what Mark Twain said, you can live two months on one good compliment. But mm. I find that even when you're talking about uh, discipline and as a parent and all these issues in relationships, really, you know, people thrive with encouragement. I'm looking at a little phrase that I've got up here in my office that says, every child needs at least one adult who is irrationally positive about them. That's and great. my daughter, Heidi, who's now 30, but she, she came in at Christmas and she goes, she reads that. And now this thing has been in there probably since she's been born. It's, a, you know, kind of talk about you know, yellowed. And she said, dad, I mean, you're that person for me. Thank you. And mm -hmm. I cried. I start my, Aww. but the story is, is, you know, I, I was, but at the, I That's wanted nice. to be, but at the same time, I mean, I had to discipline her and I had to, you know, of course bring her around. But I think that's, Ah, if if you have a relationship with awe, you can replenish a marriage with awe. You can replenish uh, friendships with awe. You can, you know, it, it's uh, obviously at different levels, but, but especially with parenting, um, you know, I want to be that person who, who can cheer 
them on. And I think you do it through encouragement, not through, you know, giving more advice. That's the best counsel. I love that we ended on that. So listen, I'm going to do a quick wrap up with you. So these are quick kind of rapid questions that we're asking all of our guests in the parenting series. And so you can just fire off whatever top of your head. Okay, here's the first one. Tell us something that your parents, one of your parents used to say to you that you said, I'm literally never going to say that to my own kids, yet you did. Oh my goodness. Tons of things. Uh, One thing that my dad always used to say was, um, do we really need to spend the money on that? And <laughs> and I th- I always thought of him as being kind of stingy and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I just go, wait, I say that all, all the, time. the time. I still say it. I just thought about my dad who's now passed on, but I just went, I said it to my wife That's this amazing. time, not to my kids, but you know. I love it. We, we hear our parents' voices come straight out of our mouth holes. Okay. It's just shocking every time. Okay. Yes, so sir. tell us this. What would you consider one of your like biggest parenting like fails where you're like blew it absolutely blew it yeah well it it was a fail that kind of turned out okay i guess but i uh, i was actually getting my phd and we were living in maui somebody had to you know get their phd dissertation in maui and uh and christy my oldest we were homeschooling our kids and we're not the homeschooling it's funny i I was Mm -hmm. getting a phd and i couldn't do sixth grade math okay and it was and i was doing sixth grade math with (laughs) and she said something so you know, frustrating and I blew it. And I'm, I'm not a yeller and a screamer. I actually stuff. So I've got, that's as big of a problem, but my dad was a rager. I wasn't, I'm not. And I just totally blew it. And I just went, man, furthermore. And I looked over at my wife for help and she just looked like, what kind of a gorilla are you right now? (laughs) You're a monster. So I walked out the door, I slammed the door and I went and sat on the beach for a little bit thinking, how do I swim to California? I made a fool of myself. And I walked back into Christie. And I said, Christy, she was in her bedroom and she had her little book on her chest and because uh, I'd sent her to her room. And I said, Christy, I am so sorry. I mean, that was all about me and some of the pressure I'm under. And that was not about you. And would you forgive me? And a little 12-year-old awkwardly puts her arms around me because she's in bed, you know, kind of still hanging on. I'm kind of going knee to knee to her. And she said, Daddy, I forgive you. And I'm sorry, too. And what I learned in that moment was, yeah, I was an idiot. And I, you know, I I am. Well, she's 17 one time. She goes a little crazy. I get up there and she goes, Dad, I'm so sorry. That's all about Hmm. me. That's not about you. And and I give her a hug. She goes, will you forgive me? And I said, well, absolutely. I give her a hug. And she goes, I said, do you remember a time when I said that to you? And she goes, yeah, you were 12. I was 12 and you yelled at me, you know. So anyway, I'm. And I could give tons of those things. And and the other part of the failure side for me is I've always wanted to be the Disneyland dad. I always want to be liked. Mm -hmm. And so the mistake would be for me that I, instead of saying, here's the boundary, I know you're still Mm going to like me, but I'm still setting a boundary. I would tend to have to be reminded by my wife that, no, they need boundaries because they're going to become better people rather than, you know, you don't have to always be liked by them. That's so good. Um, tell us this. What is one of your most like treasured parenting memories? Like where you're thinking, ah, being a parent's amazing. You know, it's funny. You know, we've been talking about adult children in this part of the broadcast. And uh, I would say that it was a, a day, a moment where we were sitting at a restaurant right before church and our whole family was there. And Christy was had was pregnant and we just found out that it was a boy and she mm-hmm. did the name reveal and she brought the she had she brought a children's book which was kind of weird and she goes mm-hmm. hey i wanted to um to to share with you guys what the name is going to be and then she hands me the book i'm starting to cry as i'm telling oh, you this right gosh. now and she opens it up and it says oh my gosh this belongs to james 
So <sighs> I can cry. Oh my gosh. So it's funny. I am right now. I, I, <laughs> so What's wrong with this guy? But you know, that moment there were, there were, Christy was definitely not the perfect kid, but that moment I went, wow. Oh, you know, that is so what sweet. a beautiful life. And I'm so close to this kid now. And so it's funny. It's a parenting slash, you know, now grandparenting moment, but there's been a lot of great, Jen, there's a lot of great parenting moments for me. It's, it's the highlight of my life. I've, you know, I've written a few books. I've, you know, I do some speaking. I, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. None of that matters at all compared to oh. the relationship with, with my kids. That's so precious. Your yeah. namesake, James. Oh, that's so dear. This is my last question for you. Um, this is a question we actually ask every guest on the podcast and all of our series. And it's a Barbara Brown Taylor question. So your answer can be whatever you want it to be. It can be big or small. It can be serious or silly. So, and the question is, what is saving your life right now? Yeah. You know, it's funny. What's been saving my life uh, has been literally the incredible relationship that I have with my grandkids. Um, you know, there are other mm-hmm. things that I could make it sound more spiritual, but oh, that's so sweet. they were living in our house and in the morning, because I get up earlier than anybody else. Well, besides little James and he's, and he starts yelling, Papa Jay, Papa mm-hmm. Jay, get okay. me out of here. <laughs> Cause he's got this little pin playpen type thing. I, I'm sure you wouldn't call it a playpen. There's a better word for it. But, you know, for me to get to hold him and he gives me this get hug. Me out of here. And then we, you know, we read stories together. And right before they left for Texas, we had finished the the uh, beginner's Bible. It's about like 500 pages. And on the day that he was leaving, we finished it. And it was like, wow, oh. that was, that that gives me life and hope and, you know, and, and the kind of joy that I in some ways didn't even know with my kids because, you know, it's a different level, but a beautiful, beautiful, uh, life giving, um, experience. I'll tell you right now, all this great stuff we've talked about when it comes to parenting, I plan on abusing all those principles with absolutely no apologies for (laughs) my grandkids. Hey, absolutely. I'll get you out of this playpen. I'll Uh, feed you snacks. Absolutely. I mean, that's not my problem now. It's going to be my kid's problem. That's right. That's right. going to use my, my position as grandparent. And I'm not sorry in, in advance. I'm not sorry. Um, nope. Dr. Burns, I thank you so much for being on the show for your amazing, like just depth of knowledge and experience. And thank you for making this whole part seem doable. Like we yeah, can do this we can, and we can spit ourselves and our little families out on the other side and have great adult relationships with our kids and learn how to navigate this with kind of humor and grace. And I feel so encouraged. Um, and so I just thank you. I thank you for your time and lending your expertise to our listeners. Can you tell them where they can find you, where they can find your stuff? Um, cause I promise you, they're going to want to hear more yeah. from you after this podcast. Well, we've got a great website. It's on parenting and marriage. It's called uh, homeword, yes. H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com has lots of, uh, it has a podcast. It has lots of free, uh, resources on all the kind of, you know, topics on, you know, parenting and on marriage. And uh, that's probably the easiest place to to find out where I do my work anyway. Perfect. And so listeners, as always, we'll have all this linked over on my my website at jenhatmayer.com under the podcast tab. Um, we'll have Dr. Burns um, contact stuff and all his books and all his websites. So don't worry about it. If you're driving and you can't write it down right now, we'll have it for you. So, um, thanks for being on the show, Dr. Burns. I'd love to have you back another time. I have more questions. Hey, great. Anytime, Jen. And thank you for what you've done for so long. Your voice is so important 
to uh, our world. I really appreciate you. What a nice thing to say. Give your daughters all my love. You got it. And tell them next time they're in Austin, they've got a friend, they've got a porch, and I'll cook them dinner. You got a deal. You got a deal. You too. Okay. Okay. Talk to you soon. Such a helpful, wonderful conversation. Oh my gosh. I am like personally walking away with some really good encouragement um, from that from that hour and feel like ready. Okay. We're, we've got this, we can do this. This is just an interesting phase of parenting, but it's not forever. And what great tools Dr. Burns gave us to, to do this as well as we can, um, knowing that like failures and missteps are literally inevitable. So anyhow, I hope that was helpful for you. And when I tell you Dr. Burns has a ton of resources for you, I'm not kidding. So be sure to head over to jinhatmaker.com under podcast. Um, Amanda will have built out the whole transcript page for you, which includes links and resources, so much more like what we talked about times a million. So if this is where you're at and you need more instruction, head over there. And we are so happy to connect you with such a wonderful teacher. What a wonderful guy, Dr. Burns. And so, um, thanks for joining us in the parenting series. You guys, this is a lot of fun and we hope that we're hitting a lot of different notes of parenting, not just one note, not just the, here's how you parent the little kid note. That feels like there's a zillion resources for that, but, um, sort of all sorts of things. And so thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your responses and your reviews and your ratings. We're just so appreciative of you. We feel like we have the best listeners ever. Um, and this podcast community is so special to us. So on behalf of the team, on behalf of Laura and Amanda, and everybody sort of works with us and around us. Um, we love bringing you this week after week. So you guys, thanks for joining today and we'll see you next week for a new show. Hey guys. We're back for another segment of Jen's Favorite Things. So this is the part of the show where I share about some wonderful companies that are producing amazing products and giving back to charitable organizations and really worthy nonprofits. Plus, they have exclusive discounts and extras just for you, our podcast listeners. So here are today's favorites. Guys, Elaine Turner is a fellow Texan and fashion designer who has been called the Houston handbag queen. So not only does she have gorgeous purses, she's got the cutest clothes and shoes as well. So I wore one of her Laney dresses to my son's graduation. You may have seen it. I've actually worn it everywhere. Check out ElaineTurner.com. And just for our listeners, when you check out, use the code FORTHELOVE20 to get 20% off your whole first purchase. That's for the love 20 at elaineturner.com. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.